Hey there folks, it's Ross here for The Great Updraft and I'm back with more tools for self-transformation. In today's video we're going to look at the good and the bad of Spinal Dynamics Stage Screen. Now, I actually have an entire series of articles describing all of the Spinal Dynamics stages in some depth. So I'm not going to describe Spinal Dynamics Green in much detail here or really talk about the Spinal Dynamics model, but you can follow the links in the description for free resources talking about each of those. What we're really going to be looking at today is what green is like in our personal lives and the good things it brings and the bad things it brings as well because both are both are important and there are traps involved and there's also a lot of great gifts that green gives us and that we ought to really honour and that we ought to integrate as we continue growing as people. Let's just look at a quick summary of green, even though we won't go into much detail about the actual characteristics here. Green is really about sensitivity. There's a new connection to injustice. There's like an, an allergy to hierarchy as well. We look back at human history and we see all the, <laughs> the crazy stuff that human beings have and the suffering that we've been inflicting on each other. And we, we just get this huge allergy to, to division and injustice and hierarchy and all of these things that seem to be keeping human beings apart, to be keeping us in, in hatred instead of in love. This is quite a feminine stage, it's quite emotional and Suzanne Cook-Reuter says that it's post-conventional. We're going to talk more about what post-conventional means when we talk about the, the good and the bad of post-conventional. I was going to split this down the middle. So what I was going to do, I was going to say, right, here's all the good stuff and here's all the bad stuff. And as I started to, to do that, to plan a, a talk on that, based on that structure, it just, it came, it became apparent to me that it's, it's not really like that. In fact, what I noticed was that each capacity or each new thing that green brings to our lives, it, it has its good side and its bad side at the same time and each the goods every bad side has its good side and every good side has its bad side so we're really we're looking at it as a whole we're not sort of dividing it into two because all of these things have their merit you just sometimes they're expressed in unhealthy ways sometimes they're expressed in healthier ways i just want to say as well that sometimes i'll say green i'll say like green is or green has this property or has this downside. When I say that, I'm not, it, it might sound like a bit disrespectful. I'm not talking about a person. This is really for simplicity's sake. It's sort of a way of speaking. It's not a way to typecast people or to sort of create this distance from them. As though green was like this weird third person, undefined group of people. And it was sort of as though I was talking about an alien race. Really, green is a tendency within us. It's a psychological level. It's a psychological profile that's available for, I wouldn't say all of us, but a great number of us nowadays. And it comes up in certain circumstances. And it's certainly alive and well within me. So when I say green in that way, I don't want to like put it outside myself. I don't want to like create this enemy or whatever. Sometimes I think we often speak like that in spiral dynamic circles and it's not, I don't think it's particularly helpful, helpful and I don't think it's particularly honest either because at the end of the day, we really want to embody green while seeing beyond its bad sides. 
let's just have a quick look at the values, worldview and psychology of green before we continue. Great, let's look at quality number one of green, which is our connection to our emotional self. And we're going to talk about the good and the bad of that. Basically at green, the world of emotions and intuition and hunches and feelings, it sort of opens up and we become really identified. We become really interested in our psychology and how we work. And we're, we're, we don't want to just rationalize and think everything through now. We want to feel it. We want to ask how am I feeling about it? Forget about how I think. What's my intuition telling me? What are my hunches telling me? What feelings do I have in my body? What is that guiding me towards? We become more guided by the heart and emotions, which sometimes completely contradicts our logical side. So we might have realize that our, our logical side that wants to find out all the information and analyze it and put it together and come up with a you know, a step-by-step -step process and then come up with a solution that that is limited and that the heart and the, our feelings and our intuitions often tell us things that our logical side can't tell us and it can create this kind of split. I suppose that's a downside as well. It can be pretty confusing. I think this is a really great thing, this new connection, because I would say in general, in the modern world, we tend to deliberate over our decisions too much. We think that it's only down to us. We've sort of lost contact with a more divine, uh, a more divine, a more emotional way of making decisions. And often the decisions we make are completely opposed to our real desires and our authenticity and our internal warning system that tells us when we shouldn't be doing something in an emotional sense. And we just completely ignore it because we're we're too busy thinking everything through. And so at Green, we, we really bring on this ability to listen to our emotions and to really take guidance from them. And that's a really great thing, especially, as I said, in the modern world. However, it has its downside, like all capacities of Green. We often begin demonizing rationality and knowledge and science because we believe them to be completely opposed to emotion. I suppose that is in a sense true, depends on how you look at it. I would also say that, but this, this leads to us demonizing science and knowledge and intellect as a whole. And then we sort of create this enormous split between emotions and intellect. We can't find a way to bring them together in a functional way. And often our emotions just plain mislead us. Um, I think what happens at Green is we tend to think that our emotions are more elevated than the mind. And I would say that that's true in certain situations and with certain emotions. But at the same time, I would also say that the opposite is true, that the mind is much more elevated than some of our emotions. And I've read people on forums and so on. I, didn't, I don't think I've really fallen into this trap, but I've seen friends and so on, people on forums, saying, oh, I was listening to my intuition and then I spent, I spent all day gorging on food and whatever, smoking and whatever. And that's my point. Sometimes your emotions are actually quite primitive and 
when we agree we become so obsessed with the emotional self that we can't make that we can't differentiate we think oh it's emotions or the mind and there's no you know it's one or the other and really as i see it as a scale we might have lower emotions then we have the mind and then we have the two coming together in a beautiful synchronous way i guess what I, how i see it is that we need to really be in contact with our emotions yes and give them their say but also we need to pass it pass them through our filters pass them through our life experience and ask questions like what is the wisest course of action whether it's from the mind or from my emotions think long term about the situation and you know have this dialectic approach where they inform each other it's not just one or the other and i see there's i think there's too much dichotomizing here it's not one or the other in fact the mind and your emotions are actually really interlinked and you it's not so easy to separate them so how do you know it's like well how do you how do you know whether to listen to the mind or listen to your emotions? It's not a perfect process and it's about self-knowledge and it's about your life experience and it's about seeing how you work. It also depends on the situation. I think it, you have to just realise that life is not, decisions aren't easy, life is not black and white and we have to know ourselves deeply to be able to blend the mind and blend emotions together. Great, moving on to capacity two, which is connection to injustice in the world. So I feel like at Green, there's this really strong component. You can see this in like in society and in politics and on the internet and so on. There's this really strong connection to like the injustice in the world that still exists despite our advancement, despite democracy and civilized society and despite our abundance that we have despite life expectancy going up remarkably in the last, you know, 100 years, 200 years, there's still all this, you know, we've got money inequality, we've got inequality between races, inequality between sexes, and at Green we really connect to this. We might start going to protest, we might start doing charity work that helps, you know, equalise this injustice. We start complaining to our friends about the state of the world and we start bemoaning capitalism and all this and I, I think this is really necessary for society to continue evolving after all with evolution there also we've got this current world and for the next world to come in there needs to be criticism on the current world and there needs to be action taken so that the thing moves forward i just think that often it's stage green and i've seen this in myself and i've seen this in friends and I've seen it on the internet a lot is that we get really identified with this. We become sort of really identified, not necessarily with being a, a social justice warrior, but that kind of thing. We get really, you know, we get we build this identity around being an activist and about changing the world. And, you know, that has its place in society. I just feel like there's a few problems with this. One, we, we sort of create this moral aura. You know, it's like, I am so moral, I am so pure, I am so clean, I don't, I'm not racist, I'm not sexist, I've never been those things and so I'm going to criticise you because you said guys or you said, or you, you know, because I'm going to ju judge society because there's inequality in, in, in employment, for example, between different races. And I think this 
it becomes a bit poisonous. Also, you tend to focus so much on all the division and injustice that apparently exists that you it actually makes you depressed, pure and simple. You get paranoid and catastrophic and you only focus on that. You never focus on the good news. You never focus on how society is advancing. You never focus on the fact that about 100 years ago, women, well, where I'm from, Britain, <laughs> women couldn't even vote 100 years ago. So you get so identified with this notion of injustice isn't fighting all the inequality in the world that you sort of lose perspective a bit. And actually, you know, liberal left-minded media platforms and so on, they feed on this because they can put out negative propaganda about how how women's inequality is terrible and how climate change is going to ruin the world and all this. And a lot of this stuff is actually really, while the individual facts might not be, might be correct, the whole perspective they take on it is really limited and it really gets you depressed. You know, I've talking, I've got someone who's quite close to me in my family who is a bit obsessed with climate change and they're, they're depressed and they're like, they're moping and mumping about the state of the world. And you can look at it from that side, but you can also say, well, if you, if you look for the evidence, we're actually making a lot of progress in this and we've got a lot of targets. And in a few decades, the world could be a totally different place. And I think a lot of people get lost in these narratives. They don't seem to understand how human evolution works, which is one of the main things I talk about, the great updraft. And you just get completely lost in their nihilism. And often I think they could just do with reading some history books, you know. The, the things that we are fighting against in modern democracies, by and large, are actually really mild and insignificant compared to what used to happen or compared to what happens in third world, third world countries or in fundamentalist Islam countries and so on. We believe they're so, we're so terrible and immoral and there's all this injustice to fight. When you actually compare it to what, to what humans used to do to each other, not so long ago, and it was normal, it really, there's, we should have nothing to worry about. And it's a matter of perspective. And I think being so connected to the injustice in the world, it can get you just, it can, you can get really fucking depressed about it. Moving on, post-conventionality. So I mentioned this word <laughs> at the beginning. Bit of a complex word, so what does it actually mean? Basically, conventional means that you're embedded in your culture and you're sort of, you can't see the fishbowl that you're in. You're just, you're locked into everything that's going on around you. So what conventional means in modern, in the modern world is, you know, being locked into things like consumerism and hedonism and not being able to question any of it, not being able to question any of our modern values and how the modern world works. So as I said, stage green is sort of the, the first post-conventional stage according to Suzanne Cook-Greuter. So we, we, we sort of look out above the parapet now and we can look out over Western culture and we can start, see, start to see what's going on here. And this opens the way for a new life, a new self, a new philosophy, a healthier life, perhaps, than the conventional one. And this is great, and it's, 
again, it's another huge step in our personal evolution towards a real, a real authenticity and a real finding of our who we want to be and how we want to live life beyond what everyone else is doing and beyond all the really unhealthy behavior that goes on in modern life because it's yeah if you get caught up in that stuff you can really you know you can lead a pretty inauthentic unhealthy life i also think though we tend to take our criticism t too far and this sort of dovetails with what i said before about the injust the in connection to injustice we sort of start we look out at western culture and we think that because of capitalism and consumption and technology and the industrial revolution and so on and the internet and media the western culture is somehow the worst thing that happened to human to human beings and that we've taken a step backwards and we get sort of what we often get locked in this perspective and again it can just be kind of depressing this one isn't so much about injustice it's more just about how the modern world works and the general level of human consciousness that is active at the moment and again, this idea that Western culture is somehow the worst thing that ever happened is just plain false. In fact, it's actually one of the greatest things to ever happen. But what tends to happen at, in all spiral dynamic stages is that we, we're disposed to green at a certain time of our life. So that's green sort of attracts us. So we get together with other people who share that. And we also sort of, you know, the, the news we read and so on revolves around our predominant stage of development and it just we get lost in all these myths that get created by people at those levels and this is one of them in fact if you actually look at the objective evidence western societies are actually some of the best societies to have ever existed murder rates for example are the lowest in recorded history and despite what the hippies might tell you they're actually much more than in any tribe or hunter-gatherer band for which data has been collected. It's dramatically low. It's about 1 to 2 in 100,000 people per year in the most advanced countries. So let's say in a city of a million people, you have about one homicide per month. And there's another, read Steven Pinker, Better Angels of Our Nature, if you want a real comprehensive overview of how the modern world has eradicated a lot of this horrible, these horrible patterns. There's similar trends in just an, just many, many other areas of life. I would also say that a lot of postmodern green people, they grow up in Western culture and they have a really privileged upbringing. It tends to come up when I think of green and who I know at green. Most of them have got university degrees. Most of them are never going to have to worry about money. Most of them have everything they could possibly want from life in terms of their material needs. And so they, they, they have the opportunity now to look out and question things. And they, they forget about how much they still depend on modern Western culture in their everyday life. And they also don't realise or they don't seem to ponder what it might be like to grow up in a developing country or in a fundamentalist Muslim country beyond our illusions of it, beyond our illusions that these people live in harmony and peace and they, they're not contaminated by modern culture, which is really a complete illusion. We take it for granted and that's what gets us to be so post-conventional because we can't integrate the conventional.
that comes at Spiral Dynamics stage L. I guess one of the steps here is to realise that we're not above and beyond Western society. We're actually still entirely dependent on it. And this high hypercriticism and this, this idea that we need to go back to the past and we need, need to live in the prairie and we need to hunt and gather for our food. First of all, it's a fantasy because we're human life has gone too far now, even if it was a healthier way. It's not going to happen. And I would also question if it was better. If it was so good, why are we here now? Why are we, <laughs> why have we arrived at modern times? And it just gets depressing. You know, imagine looking out on a culture that you live in and only being able to criticize it for all its evil. It's really quite depressing. It can get you, it can <laughs> separate you from other people. I actually think we're much better searching for evolution and seeing that we ourselves are in evolution and that's why we criticize the modern world so much because we've sort of evolved beyond it in our individual growth and the western culture is actually pretty damn good compared to <laughs> what's been happening for most of human history and what happens in a lot of the world still great moving on let's talk about green's new desire for connection so this sort of goes along a little bit with the emotional our connection to our emotional self with other people we really want to get closer we want to feel their emotions we want to get inside their skin this is a very green movement we want to generate good vibes we want close relationships we try to let go of our judgments of other people and we see them try and see them for who they are instead of projecting our ideal self onto them and then measuring them according to <laughs> that self which is what we tend to do this is a really important expansion of consciousness. We're actually, we're exploring a new aspect of our social life or we're, we're interacting with others in a new way. We're trying to know people for who they are. We're trying to see their story, form a connection and honor them. And really in our developmental journey, this doesn't really exist. And it's a huge expansion of consciousness. I actually think if you zoom out a bit, and you think about the fact that the higher levels of consciousness are all selfless or ever more selfless and, and moving towards an identity with everything, not just ourselves. This is, a this is an just another step on that journey towards selflessness and self-consciousness. It's like a loosening of the separate sense of self. But I often think that this causes more problems than it solves. This capacity itself is a problem. This capacity to connect with others and to desire to connect with others. In my case, I became a real doormat. I became so obsessed with positivity and good vibes and not, not treading on people's toes that I couldn't just tell people to fuck off, for example, when they deserved it and when they were treating me badly in a very non-stage green way. We, we tend to lose the ability to discriminate between someone who's just a horrible person who needs to be dealt with accordingly from someone who's like an innocent victim. And we tend to think that everyone's nice. We tend to idealise everyone and say, oh, they're, oh yeah, I can see their bad parts, but really underneath all that, they're nice and they're sweet and they're sensitive like me. We're sort of projecting green onto them in a little, in a way. And we tend to think that if we see an issue in other people, it's our fault. It's not that the other person has a fault we have faults and that's why we're seeing the faults in the other person 
which doesn't really make sense. We can't be the only human being in the world with faults. After all, there's eight billion of us and we all have <laughs> we all have our ups, our good side and our bad side. We tend to that's sort of the view we tend to take at green. It's like if yeah, if there's faults in someone else, it's it's really we're seeing ourselves, which is true, but with nuances. And often we go too far and we tend to idealise other people. We get scared of hurting people, like I did. We get scared of pissing people off, even when they're pissing us off. We get scared of upsetting them. And so we go into our shell a bit and we get a bit all sensitive and small and feminine and we forget about assertivity and our imposing ourselves on other people. And that's fine. That's, well, it's fine in that stage screen is really about sensitivity and it's an important thing to download for later growth. But also part of our human nature is anger, masculinity, directness. And when we push that underground, which we often do at green, we just lose a whole aspect of being human and of being ourselves that causes issues in our lives. And it can lead to a bit of trauma actually. We want to be so sensitive and nice and kind all the time that we can't, we, we just, we lose all that masculinity and that directness. I would also say that we, in a, uh, to contradict everything I've said, <laughs> we don't lose it. And this is an interesting insight. Let me, let me explain this. I would say we lose it on a personal level. So we can't tell an individual person to fuck off if they're annoying us. But what we do instead is we take all of that anger inside us because we can't repress it. It's there and we're human beings and anger comes from way back in developmental process. It's there. What we do is we get angry at groups. You know, we get angry at the capitalists. We get angry at, <laughs> you know, power holders and authoritarian leaders and all this. We get annoyed with the system, with capitalism, with Western democracy, and we start going to protests and screaming and shouting about how evil everyone is. And yet we, so we can't tell, we can't stand up for ourselves in person a lot of the time, but we stand up for the common good and for the, the good of society. And that's a good thing, but it's a strange psychological mechanism. And I think, Actually, what can the reason this happens is that we actually repress our anger, and so we we can direct it towards this sort of amorphous third-person group that we've imagined in our minds, like the capitalists, and we we can get angry at them, but we can't actually fully express it in real life when we need to. And yeah, just watch out for that if you're going through stage green. That this is a bit of a trap and. I would say try and integrate it into your personal life a bit more and you'll become a fuller, more authentic person. Great, let's look at the final capacity then, which is our spiritual life. This is something we should really mention here. At Green, we tend to sort of reconnect to or resurrect our spiritual life. I'm not, it depends on your upbringing and so on. If you had a spiritual life earlier on and then you resurrect it at Green or if you start a spiritual life from scratch. If you were born in a secular secular context, you're basically brainwashed into believing that there is no God and that God is 
as you know, is a it's a myth that's perpetrated by fundamentalists and so on. So in that sense, if you go to green, you're probably going to start a spiritual life from scratch. And you're going to start connecting to a deeper source, a deeper meaning, a deeper being in green. You start connecting to this more. I would actually call green spirituality ill-defined spirituality. It sort of feels like you're always striving for something. You know, you're going to meditation classes for the first time, you take up yoga, you start doing psychedelics maybe, you're talking about spiritual subjects, and it all has this sort of very airy, ethereal, feminine feel about it. You know, you're talking about the mind and you're observing yourself and you're getting into psychological work. You're trying to break down your sense of self in that way. But it all lacks a bit of a, it all lacks a structure. Green is quite a dissociative stage and it can sort of tear you apart a little bit. And I'd say this from experience and also say it from listening to others' experience. You open up, so you open up to all this new territory, this, the, the green spiritual territory, which has its own flavour and its own way of viewing what the divine is. But you don't, you, it's like you sort of don't have a way to integrate all the pieces together and to understand it. And what, what spirituality often falls into is things like, is, is, it's really like the green values in a spiritual context. In green spiritual communities, for example, they sort of dislike hierarchy, they dislike rigid definitions and distinctions. They don't like saying, this is the way, that isn't the way, we're going to do it this way. They sort of, they can't, make a decision on things, you can't define things very well. So spirituality tends to become things like making connections with people, under the st understanding the world in this weird, ethereal, emotional way that isn't very well defined, opening up to new forms of knowledge, getting in touch with our sensitivity and our feelings. But it's all of these things with no real deep spiritual transformation and with no framework. It's sort of like this this gloop of knowledge and of ways of seeing the world and it's like there's no structure and you have to feel this for yourself when you're at green to understand what I'm talking about. You have to experience it from the inside. We might even end up saying things like spirituality is undefinable. It's different for everyone. You can't impinge on my spirituality. And I think there's a deep truth in that. But often this this it, it isn't used in a healthy way. It's more like in a, used in a way to to deflect criticism and to, to deflect reflection on how why we see things the way we do. So you have this spirituality, but it's not to me. It's not really a real solid spiritual life and a system for transformation. It's more like an opening up to new truths and a beginning spirituality. You're exploring all these things and doing all this stuff, but you don't really understand why. There will be exceptions, but that's what I've observed in myself and in friends and in communities and so on. So remember to check the links in the description for my Spiral Dynamics articles. I've actually got one accompanying today's video, which is longer than today's video. It's got more information in it. I've also got some Spiral Dynamics ebooks and an in-depth course, eight hours with a free two-hour course on the stages of human development. And I've got a discount on at the moment. Go to my website to see that. If you really want a deep understanding of these stages and how they affect your personal life and how they guide 
the development of humankind, then do check those out. It can really shift how you understand yourself, humans, why we're here, where society's going, what what's going on here, can really bring that clarity and that sense of direction that green often removes from us actually. Do subscribe for more tools for self-transformation. Share this with a fellow Spiral Dynamics enthusiast and I'll see you next week for more.